It's been four and a half years since the biggest comic book movie of all time released. Avengers Endgame closed out over 10 years of storytelling in a very satisfying way. And a lot of people mark it as kind of the turning point or kind of the peak of the genre. And we're never going to reach that again. Everything after that is kind of marked as post-Endgame. So in this episode, I'm going to be ranking my top 10 favorite comic book films following Avengers Endgame, and I actually did find 10 that I enjoyed enough worthy of talking about. So let's get into it. Kicking off my top 10, The Flash. I know this is a movie that not everyone loved and a lot of people were really disappointed because it was so overhyped by a bunch of studio executives and even James Gunn himself. But for me, this was still a really entertaining superhero film that had a really great character arc for Barry Allen himself and had tons of really cool comic book wackiness that I really enjoyed. I think a lot of the actors do a fantastic job. I think Ezra Miller, controversy aside, and I'm not undermining that at all by saying this, I think they did a pretty good job as this version of Barry Allen and really got me emotionally wrapped onto the character. I really, of course, really enjoyed Michael Keaton's return as Batman, and Sasha Kaye is a very promising well, it makes for a very promising Supergirl that I really hope we get to see more of. But moreover, I just really like the way they adapted the Flashpoint storyline, mending it a little bit to fit into the DCEU, and maybe and kind of having this bookend with Man of Steel, bringing back those events. This is also a really funny film. There's tons of great humorous moments. There's tons of really cool effects and not-so-good effects in here. And again, there's so much set up in the first two acts that I just love. And I think the first two acts are by far the best parts of the movie. There's tons of great time travel shenanigans. And again, just that core Barry Allen arc that travels through and his, him grieving his parents, one, one that's actually gone, one that he might never get to experience life really with ever again. And how that story ties up towards the end, I really enjoy it. And again, as a fan, there's tons of great Easter eggs and all that in this film. However, that being said... When it comes to this film, I feel like the third act does hinder, hamper a lot of the impact and love I had for the first two acts, as well as the very shoddy VFX. The third act has one scene in particular in the Chrono Ball that I think really completely plays what they should have done with that plotline wrong, where they introduced this villain so late into the movie, but has apparently been around, but it didn't feel like a satisfying reveal, and also moreover, it was just visualized in a very corny way and played really corny in my opinion there's a set of cameos that i found a little off-putting and that entire like 10 to 15 minute sequence that is so integral to the wrapping up of this plot i think really hurt a lot of this movie and i like both versions of barry allen i think i loved the differences within their lives and the way how barry saving his mother affected each of them was so interesting and i love that love that kind of kind of contrasting in this particular story and there's so much I love about this movie it's an overall very entertaining comic book film even if it wasn't the greatest comic one of the greatest comic book movies ever as a lot of people were hoping for and promised to a certain degree number nine Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings an MCU movie that is massively helped by a fantastic villain because when it comes to this film Tony Leung as the Mandarin or Wenwu is one of my favorite villains in the entire MCU. And every time I think about this movie, that him and the father-son relationship in this film is one is just by far the highlight. And their emotional story throughout that starts off setting up how Wenwu treated him as a kid, but then by the end when they become enemies and they're still able to pack a punch. I love that through line in this film. And it's by far the most compelling part of that. And Simu Liu 
as Shang-Chi is very charismatic. I think he does a great job. And the action sequences in this film are simply stunning. The choreography is amazing. And some of the camera work is absolutely masterful. And I love how much how dynamic it is. I only wish they didn't use as much CGI as they didn't lean so far into the MCU usuals like heavy CGI final act and the humor, which in my opinion in this movie did not really work. But as a whole, this film again thrives based off that central father-son relationship and imbuing so much kind of a very different cultural background and lore and kind of mythology into this film that really expands the MCU without feeling like we're shoehorning something new into the universe that really doesn't fit. And kind of when they go into the forest, like halfway through the film, we get all this new lore, Michelle Yeoh shows up. And even the final act, even though there's a lot of CGI craziness, it does stand out because of the way it's captured. And I think Destin Cretton does a really good job of capturing intimate moments within the final act. But I really like Chong Chi as a character. This film introduced him really well. And I'm really glad to say that I'm really excited to see more of him in the future. And I really hope that, you know, that he's as good in this film as he was. And the score by Joel P. West is also very good. Number eight, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, a very satisfying sequel to the cultural phenomenon that was the first Black Panther. And what I'll say about this is that I was actually considering whether to put this in number nine or number 10. Honestly, the bottom three here, I say bottom three, would really tend to eight because there are worse comic book movies that have come out since Avengers Endgame are very interchangeable and honestly on the day I could switch them but I feel like this film left the biggest mark on me because it does such a great job of handling the very tragic and untimely death of Chadwick Boseman and it kind of weaves it into the plot without feeling like it's emotionally manipulating the audience and it has this somberness and just through line melancholy feeling to it that I think is really different for the MCU and I really appreciated that this movie actually stuck to that and this is one mcu movie where i feel like a lot of people who may be getting burnt out on the mcu probably really liked because it was so focused on that somberness and ryan kluger delivers a very personal mcu movie that still gives you all the action spectacle that i think you want and i think in general the set pieces in this film are a lot better than the first film the narrative in my opinion is way more compelling partly because of that emotional factor of t'challa's death at the beginning of the film but it also has way more layers in the world building, not only with Wakanda, but also with Talo Khan introducing Namor, played by Tino Huerta, who I think is a great villain. Again, not, you know, I'm not ignoring the controversy, but I'm not factoring that into what I think about this film. And the performances in here are absolutely incredible. Angela Bassett, obviously, she had an Academy Award nomination, maybe even deserved to win. I think that Letitia Wright is absolutely fantastic as Shuri. Every time she's on screen, it's when I'm the most interested and I love the art they give her and there's so much, how, how much darker she is compared to her brother. And the storyline itself, dealing with the ramifications of T'Challa's choice to reveal Wakanda to the world, have a lot of great political intrigue and there's so much about this film that I think really work. And the themes of loss and grief and how T'Challa's death ties into the movie throughout is great. And while... Again, I don't think there are aspects of this movie that I do prefer from the first movie. Like, I think Killmonger is a much stronger villain. I think the movie does bite on a bit more than it can chew. The middle section of the film definitely feels narratively not only really muddled, but also kind of at a sand stance to where characters kind of just exploring about. There's not really much happening. And there's a couple subplots, at least one in particular, that I think took a good 15, 20 minutes that easily could have been cut. 
And I do think they did kind of waste some characters I would have liked to see after the first Black Panther. Pausing the ranking very quickly, just to give you a reminder, again, these are the top 10 best comic book movies since Endgame, not all comic book movies since Endgame ranked. I may do that one day when we have more to talk about. So just because a movie is this low on the list, like you love Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, or The Flash, you think it's number one, the best comic book movie since Endgame, that doesn't mean I don't like it just because I have it that low. It just means it's good enough to be in this top 10 because, again, I believe there have been more than 20, maybe even 30 comic book movies since Endgame, but just not enough to be better than some of the other movies we've had since then that maybe I personally prefer. And I really hope I didn't miss a movie because this is a really easy list when we're, we're having multiple years. There have been some straight-to-VOD films. I do think this is my personal list. And I haven't seen, just to give a bit of a thing as well, I have not seen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem yet. I'm actually seeing it the day after, the day after, I'm, after I'm recording this. The movie hasn't released yet, and this is like three weeks after it's come out in the U.S. Finally, I'm getting to see that. So that movie might make the list if I see it, but it's going to be too late. I did see Blue Beetle. Of course, I have my review out there. And I really wanted to include that because I had so much fun with the movie. And it would probably be number 11. But I do think I overall preferred the films I've said so far. And I do think there is actually a bit of a gap between number 10, number, uh, between The Flash, Shang-Chi, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and the next seven. These are the movies that I really do love that we've gotten since Endgame. Well, I really liked the past few. The above ones are the ones that I've loved. Number seven, Joker, a movie that I'm always going to remember the first time I saw it in theaters because it had a really interesting impact on me because I hadn't really ever seen anything like this. Again, I've seen tons of it since then, but it was one of the very first comic book movies that I feel like really went outside the genre, but not in a way anyone had done before and looked for very different kinds of inspirations. Todd Phillips and Scott Silver, the screenwriter and, of course, the director, really did a great job of taking in other influences outside the comic book movie genre while still doing it with a character that it makes sense to do it with. And Joker is a harrowing character study that, again, really left an impact on me because of just how dark, grimy the world is, the New York City, I believe, in this world is. Or I don't remember. Was this in Gotham? I don't remember. It was one of those. I believe it was in Gotham. Yeah, Gotham was in this film. And Joaquin Phoenix's absolutely incredible performance is really what carries it. Because even on a directorial standpoint, even if it's unique for the genre, it isn't the most ambitious. It's the writing that I feel like really takes the movie a long way in its exploration of mental illness. But it's Phoenix's performance that absolutely elevates this movie above so much of what we had in this genre. There's a reason he won Best Actor, because he absolutely deserves it. And there's so much about this movie, the production design, the cinematography, that is just so interesting for the genre even the score by Hilder is absolutely fantastic and this is a film where the atmosphere is just such a certain way and it's and Joker in this film Arthur Fleck is just such a developed character that when the tragedy occurs and he becomes the Joker you really feel it and there's a lot of this movie that does actually make you sympathize with him even if that sounds insane but then he just goes off the deep end but you completely see why because of how well this movie does its job Number seven for me is Joker, but easily the one I've watched the least. I think I've only seen this movie once, but it's still fantastic. Number six, Spider-Man No Way Home. Another one that I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for putting not only higher than Joker, but also putting too low compared to the other movies that are about to come. Is this film better than Joker? No, it is not. But as a comic book film, which is what this ranking is, this film gave me so much of what I wanted from it, but also that I didn't know I want. 
Obviously, let's start off with a big thing. This film brings together three generations of Spider-Man and Spider-Man fans for a very satisfying theatrical experience that is probably the best of my entire life. And I'm never going to forget that. The film as a whole, I do think it has issues, and I'll get to that in just a second. But as an experience, as, as a Spider-Man fan, everything the second and third acts do for this character is, inc- is incredible. I love that Tom Holland Spider-Man finally gets the arc I've wanted for him. Going through his origin and finally becoming the version of Spider-Man I wanted from him. The ending of this movie it just ends on the best note possible. And seeing Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland interacting because of the Spider-Verse. Something I never thought I'd see in live action. And it was even better than I could have hoped. The third act of this is just a big mesh of just absolutely incredible moments. Bad CGI, admittedly, but tons of fun. And I have such a big smile on my face through the entire second half of the film. The emotions hit really hard with Aunt May's death and what happens towards the end, which I love. And I really hope they don't go back on because I think it will make this movie worse. But as an experience, as a Spider-Man fan, seeing Alfred Molina come back, Willem Dafoe come back, it was just such a satisfying thing to see. And again, just throughout the movie, I love Peter Parker's central like kind of value in this film of wanting to actually help the villains before just trying to defeat them. And that kind of back and forth between him and Doctor Strange really shows the difference between why people love Spider-Man, but also why he's such an important character in a universe where there's a lot of moral ambiguity. And I really hope they lean even heavier into that for the next few films. And Spider-Man No Way Home, as a Spider-Man fan, again, just seeing Andrew Garfield and Toby back, all the nostalgia came back. Everything I wanted to feel with this movie, I felt. Which is why it makes it so frustrating how flimsy the story itself is. And how lazy the setup, which, which unfortunately does limit this from going higher, even if th- this movie has some of the greatest comic book movie moments ever. Kicking off my top five is James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Again, one of the most entertaining movies of release in the past few years, and a movie that I believe I watched like four times in the first two months it was out because it was just so different for the genre. It drew inspiration from these 70s kind of war kind of group films and took that into making a very violent extravagant again bloody bright comic book film that is so much fun that has an insanely good cast tons of great characters like Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn John Cena as Peacemaker who gets even better in his own show Idris Elba as Bloodsport which is absolutely awesome The the humor is really strong this movie has one of my favorite comic movie moments ever where we have Bloodsport and Peacemaker doing a kill-off, which I never thought I'd enjoy seeing, but it was just so entertaining. Even the end of that scene, the way it turns it on its head is absolutely insane. This is the definitive Suicide Squad film. Taking these characters, putting them on a standalone mission, killing off a bunch of them because of either they're in over their heads or Amanda Waller presses a button. But this film as a whole even manages to pack a little bit of heart in there with Ratcatcher and what they do with her, where she's from, being kind of the moral center of the of the kind of the team i actually felt something towards the end of this film and i can never i never really expected that even though again i absolutely love james gunn i'm not hiding the fact that i'm probably a little biased in how much i love his films how much i love his sensibilities and how in the kind of the very let's say primal emotions he infuses into these films and and how easy it might feel but i think he does such a great job of imbuing that into his stories. This film is also just really rewatchable. It's also very standalone. It's just such a complete experience. Tons of wacky characters, fantastic 
It's over-the-top action. It is kind of almost in many ways the perfect comic book film because it just has, it feels so true to the source material. Number four, also from James Gunn, is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I really went back and forth between this and The Suicide Squad, which one I'm going to put on top. And at the end, again, I talked about those emotional, emotional moments that James Gunn can bring on an emotional level with how much I love these characters, how much I love this trilogy with this movie being completed. I think creating the best MCU trilogy we've ever had. I left this film so unbelievably satisfied with how James Gunn closed out these characters' stories. That not only do I feel like a lot of my emotional investment in the MCU is gone because these characters were some of my favorites remaining, but that I almost never want them to ever be touched again unless James Gunn is doing it. Because when it comes to this film, are there aspects of the story that, again, it might be a little flimsy? I do think so, but I think this is by far and away the best MCU film since Endgame because James Gunn creates a film where all his characters, Star-Lord, Mantis, Drax to a certain degree, definitely Gamora, Nebula once again, even especially Rocket, who is just the king of this film. He gets all the greatest moments, one of the greatest origins, most harrowing and dark origins ever in a movie. He wraps all those characters' arcs into a story that still allows these Guardians to interact and have fun, even though it's the darkest of the three films, where we get some of the most probably saddest moments tired of the entire MCU, but also some of the biggest laughs. James Gunn obviously nails it with the humor, and there's tons of great performances. Again, it leans into the comic bookiness because it really gets wacky with some of the things it has. The action is great. The music, Awesome Mix Volume 3, is just as great as Awesome Mix Volume 2 and Volume 1. And this film, again, just is its main success is closing out the journey of these Guardians on James Gunn's terms, which luckily are fantastic. And he really succeeded in doing that. Even if no one ended up dying like everyone was predicting, I every way they closed out these characters' journeys felt right. And this is still one of the only movies, not only superhero movies, only movies I've ever seen that's made me shed a tear. And I do think that definitely counts for something. Even if a lot of people didn't love this movie as much as me, this is the MCU movie I needed after Endgame. But but also it feels like such a great, it has so much great finality to it. James Gunn pulled it off. And the story of this found family and them ending, ending up going their separate ways it felt right, and I was really impressed with the way he managed to balance that with a story with a very crazy villain like High Evolutionary, who is played deliciously by Chibuti Aluji. Coming in at my number three is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Again, this is another one that I don't think a lot of people have high, as high as me, but this to me, especially on rewatch a couple of months ago, is the Justice League film that in many ways I've always wanted to see, even if... There is so much slow-mo and a lot and way too much licensed music. That's fine. But this is a Justice League film that not only manages to nail the character interactions between each of them, actually improves on everything that the actual theatrical Justice League we got does. This is a film that, again, is Zack Snyder's vision 100%. It's four hours long, but tells an epic superhero story. Again, that has emotions, has moments of payoffs, has moments of deep downs. But again, just nails these characters for this universe. We're bringing so much insane DC lore that I just appreciate so much and really did not expect to see 
from this film, even though, again, I am a fan of Zack Snyder's DC, even if I don't think it's like the greatest thing ever or anything. And this film actually paid off the hype that went into it. Like, a character like Cyborg has so much more than what he's given. Even The Flash has improved and has one of the greatest comic book movie moments ever, even if Ezra Miller's version of the character isn't necessarily my favorite. A character like Batman actually feels consistent with BVS, and his arc continues in here. And Superman's return and the League finally coming together are so much more satisfying than that theatrical cut. But even on their own terms, they're still fantastic moments. And almost every minute of this four-hour runtime, not every minute, was so engaging. And again, if this movie was shorter, I really think this movie would have had a chance of being number one. Because it's dark, but it still balances that with the humor a lot more than people give it credit for. And there are just so many iconic, just amazing comic book movie moments in this that I'm never going to forget seeing, even if it was at home. The score by Junkie XL is fantastic. And again, just in this movie, I feel like whether compared to Man of Steel and especially BVS, is more entertaining because that Jack Snyder did a great job of balancing each of these Justice League characters. Now getting into the top two. I think most of you knew what the top two was going to be, but maybe we're going back and forth on the order of the top two. And it wasn't until I rewatched both of these films last week that I think I came up with which one I wanted to put on top. And I don't know if it's because of the mood I watched them in, but coming in at my number two is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man is my second favorite superhero of all time. I've loved him ever since I was a kid. He was, he was my first favorite superhero. He was the first superhero I was introduced to because of the 90s Spider-Man show and the Tobey Maguire films. And the character is just so relatable on such a human level that I feel, I've always loved him. He's always been one of my favorite characters of all time. And this film explores that more deeply than any of the live-action films ever have. Miles Morales is a fantastic character, and this film really goes deeper into not only not only that anyone can wear the mask, but it's really how you wear a mask that defines what kind of hero you are. And this film explores that. Miles and his relationship with his parents are great, but Gwen Stacy is my favorite part of this film. Her story, a story with her dad, and kind of that through line throughout the film, her arc that gets completed by the end is so compelling. Her relationship with Miles is, of course, explored further. And just, everyone's already talked about this movie. I don't even know why I'm talking about it and going into so much detail. detail because everyone already knows why this movie is one of the greatest things ever released. The animation is out of this world. Some of the most creative visuals ever. This movie has the best multiverse in any movie ever. Maybe aside from the first film, funnily enough. That movie came out before Endgame. So I obviously couldn't include that here. And again, seeing all these different Spider-People, the way they're able to give them different personalities is just absolutely fantastic. But the themes here that run through this entire film, the heart, the family story of Miles Morales and his parents at the core of this film is really what makes it as good as it is. As much as cool as the multiverse stuff is, every time I bring up this movie, I talk about that's not why I love it as much as I do. That's not why most people love it as much as they do. Just everything about this film is fantastic, and it makes it one of the greatest Spider-Man films ever made. There's just a style and innovative thinking absolutely everything lord and miller nail everything once again and again it's just it's chaotic it's quick paced when it needs to be, but it also has a darker tone than the first film and just that beautiful thematic continuation of the first film of you know kind of every spider-man having their own hardships but also their common sacrifices and tying that into this web of just insanity but also just a, such an 
emotional story. I absolutely love that. And I just think this movie is possibly one of the greatest successes we've ever had in the genre. And this film absolutely knocked me out. Like, I had no idea how to feel after this movie. It just... When I left the movie, I don't think I've been as speechless walking out of a movie ever in my entire life. Like, this film is absolutely unbelievable. And it's not even like... And I said I decided last week that I would put this in number two rather than number one. It's not that there was a flaw with this movie. It's just that... I don't even know what it is, but as of right now, I want to put my number one at number one. So Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse would as at number two, but I would say this, that almost any other list out there, best movies of this year, best sequel of all time or whatever, this film would get even closer to the top, even though this is number two, or get at the top. It's my favorite film of the year so far. It's going to be my favorite at the end of the year. I can almost guarantee it. It's unbelievable, and putting it at number two is not, a, is not me just downvoting it whatsoever. It is as good as everyone says. It is a masterpiece of comic book movie storytelling. And again, any other list, this would be number one. But of course, coming in at my number one is The Batman. I haven't, I hadn't watched this movie in almost a year when I turned it on last week, interesting enough. And as soon as I finished watching it, I kind of just wanted to watch it again. What Matt Reeves does with this film is create the version of Batman in Gotham City that I feel like the movies have been missing. Again, I might still prefer Batman Begins and The Dark Knight as movies, but the Batman is the best iteration of the character. Best, I would say, adaptation of the character we've had to live action. Robert Pattinson plays this character with such a confidence and such a great emotiveness to him where every footstep every movement of his eyes you know exactly what the character is feeling everything about the character is so perfectly captured here in terms of batman and just the griminess of this gotham gotham really is a character in this movie and it manages to actually convince you that batman is really the only solution to this city which is just completely in ruins by this point and is so corrupt and that ties into the story of this film really well, where we finally get a detective-based Batman film, where it's a bit of a noir mystery, taking inspiration from like movies from the 60s and the 70s, and Matt Reeves brings all of his inspirations, along with what he loves about the comics, to explore the, the, the psyche of Batman, where he's almost addicted, to Bruce Wayne is almost addicted to being Batman, and so much a part of him that Bruce Wayne has just turned into a recluse. And I understand a lot of people would have liked to see a more fleshed out version of Bruce and a more different version. But that is the arc of this film. Batman has a character arc in what, like his 13th live action appearance. And that to me is probably the most impressive thing watching this again. He manages to turn what he thought was the right thing for the city, which was vengeance, fighting for his father, beating criminals to a pulp and not paying any attention to the people he's saving, even if he does, he is saving them to becoming hope by the end of this movie. He's saving people in that moment where he's, you know, carries the torch, he's leading those people out of the out of the um out of the, out of the rubble and then that following sequence where he, you know, he holds the hand of the of the of the person he just saved is one of my favorite moments in any comic book movie ever. Matt Reeves creates such a great tone that this version of Gotham, everything about the story is perfect for this version of Batman. The performances in here are absolutely outstanding. We already talked about Robert Pattinson. Zoe Kravitz is a great version of Catwoman. Colin Farrell steals the show whenever he's on screen. Paul Dano steals the show whenever he's on screen. So good as Riddler. Jeffrey Wright is fantastic as Gordon. 
I wish we got a bit more of Andy Serkis' Alfred, but I'm sure, but I think he's already confirmed he'll be in Batman Part 2. And then cinematography-wise, this is probably the best-looking live-action comic book movie ever. Because the, just the shots are so dirty. The, you know, the camera fogs up. The lighting is absolutely next level. Like, I, this movie, I could frame almost any shot in this movie, and it would look absolutely gorgeous, as dark as it is. It never sacrifices visual clarity and feeling like Gotham. The score by Michael Giacchino, I think, is his best he's ever done. And I can't deny that as a lifelong Batman fan, someone who's loved Batman ever since he was a kid, he was my second favorite superhero in terms of order. Now he's absolutely my favorite. Batman being my favorite superhero, I can't deny that I am a little biased. And a movie that just did everything I've ever wanted to see in Batman that hadn't been done. Again, I still might have might prefer Christopher Nolan's films as a whole in terms of just as movies. As a Batman film, a lot of what they do with the story, the character, the way they bring them to live action, the feeling, kind of this mix between a very comic booky story detective that's a little hammy at times, but also very dark and serious, but also has a lot of really good dry humor, which I think this movie is really underrated for. Thumb drive. Anyways, this is the, this is the movie that in many ways I've kind of always wanted to see, and all the trailers, all the amazing marketing led up to this movie, which 100% delivered on everything it promised. is the best action, in my opinion, consistently out of any Bat- Batman film, even if Batman solving mysteries and him working against the Riddler to root out this corruption is the best, is a lot more engaging than even the action is. And this version of Gotham just being in this world, as dirty as it is, is just such a great... It's, this film is absolutely perfect. It's a masterpiece. It is my favorite comic book movie since Endgame. I have so much more to say about it. I'm going to stop talking because this is a ranking where I'm supposed to, you know, make my thoughts concise. When it comes to this movie, I just can't hold back how happy I felt leaving this for such a dark film. I absolutely love this movie. And I know a lot of people are going to be surprised I put this above Spider-Verse. But again, I do think that probably comes down to how much I love Batman as a character. And right now, my most anticipated film might be the Batman Part 2, although Superman Legacy is up there. So... Can't wait for more from this universe. I'm so glad Matt Reeves gets to continue doing what he wants to do. And I, he probably became basically my god after this movie because I just wanted to sit down and pray to him every night after this because he just did such a good job bringing this into live, bringing this version of Batman to the big screen. So thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Make sure to let me, let me know what your favorite comic book movie since Endgame is in the Q&A section or poll. I don't remember which one I put on Spotify. I'll catch you all next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.